Hey everyone, so we're now live, or at least I'm now live. Makes all sorts of noises. So, uh, waiting for Nick, because Nick is having technical difficulties, and when Nick has technical difficulties, you know what that means. That means we can't do anything. I mean, we can, don't get me wrong. I run this whole ship. I am the master. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, so welcome to um, uh, the the biggest technical difficulty version of Cover to Cover, <laughs> and uh, we're we're getting there. Uh, I had to go live because I said we were going to go live at six. We went live at six. There's now nobody watching us, so it doesn't matter. I'm really just talking to myself anyway. Uh, so none of this matters, which is kind of funny. But hopefully, when Nick comes back in, uh, we'll be able to you know do things like play the play the intro and and uh nobody's watching so uh this info to cover co cover to cover.com is meaning nothing to anyone um hopefully somebody will eventually watch oh yeah one person's watching now that's good uh but yeah we're just waiting for nick to get back in because you know poop happens and uh the poop today was uh his uh, whole rig kind of pooped out um like right as we were about to go on <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, this is this is life when you go live. This is what happens. And see, we even have three viewers now, too. I wish Nick was here to see this because then I could play the intro and everything. But we're going to give him we're going to give him some time. So first off, hello to everyone. Uh, and I got I already got our first uh, hello. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, that would be correct. That is my middle name. Um, Michael F. Venezia. And the F stands for, of course. Fucko. Anyway. Uh, while Nick is doing that, uh, doing his thing, I want to mention, uh, any of you that are watching, thank you, first of all, for watching again and coming back and visiting with us again. My name is Mike Venezia. Roger is my co-host, and he's running around back there. Nick is also a co-host, uh, and he may very well get here once he gets his rig fixed. In the meantime, I'm just going to stall. I'm going to stall a lot, but hopefully not too much. Now, Jeff is wondering if he should be a guest. I mean, I could make him a guest in the meantime. Um, uh, let's see. Now, now Nick is telling me that he's in trouble, and he's look, everyone. Nick is Nick is in trouble. So let's see. Um, I don't know how to fix this from here because he is in Detroit. But you know what I am going to do? I'm going to start the freaking intro because why not? I have no choice. There are three people here. That is the rule. So. We'll see you in 37 seconds. is that kind of day um i hope you all enjoyed the intro but uh for now uh what are we gonna do i don't know what to do without nick i feel like he's my right hand man and he's just not here and um you know uh let's see he's he's now texting me so now let's let's support nick uh we are live and i am talking to everyone and they are wondering where you are 
and just go live on your phone or something. There we go. Maybe that'll work. <laughs> It'd be funny to be walking around with like an iPhone, but he can. I mean, that's what this program does. So we're able to do that, which is cool. Um, but anyway, so this is Cover to Cover, the music nerd show uh, hosted by me and Nick sometimes. Uh, well, actually, most of the time it's with Nick right now. Again, for the 15th time, he is not here at the moment because he's having technical difficulties. But with that said, um, I have a voice. I know how to talk. And Roger is here, too. And he's going to keep everybody happy and occupied. So uh, tonight's episode is titled Chicken or the Egg. Now, the reason why we titled it that is because there's a lot of songs out there that people don't realize are actually cover tunes. And we're going to talk about a few of them tonight, uh, hopefully with Nick, which would be great. Uh, if not, I'm going to have to get a guest host named Jeff, maybe, if you wanted to join in, which would be really horrible for everyone, especially since I have to do a This Song Sucks and I picked one of his favorite bands for it. So that'll be fun. But in the meantime, I uh, hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's enjoying their summer. Um, and basically, while this is all happening and while this is not happening, I should say, uh, he was here. Let, let me just say that he was here and then he wasn't. So I know that he was trying to be here. Here's what I'm going to do. Jeff, I want you to check your, um, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have some fun with this for now. Uh, let's see if I can do this. All right, Jeff, you're, you're going to, you're going to pinch hit here for a second. Um, let's see if we can do this. All right. He needs to click that. All right, Jeff, in your Facebook messenger, I just sent you a link. So let's see how this works. So I'm calling an audible. I'm allowing a guest from the feed to join us. I'm also having a beer because it's, again, it's been that kind of day. I normally don't drink during the week, but uh, let's just say that this episode of This Song Sucks, I mean, of uh, Cover to Cover, is brought to you by, without them knowing, Mission Brewery, who makes an awesome shipwreck double IPA. I'm just saying. Uh, I may be biased because I may or may not be dating somebody who works there. So, but it is quite tasty. And so cheers to all of you. Mm. What's your favorite beer? Put it in the chat. Always love to know. Always try to find out what people enjoy when they're imbibing adult beverages. So what's been going on? News of the week. Obviously last week there was a lot going on. Um, Let's see. Jeff is not linking. I, I can't help you then. It's not linking. I can't help. Uh, let's see. Let's try it again. No, that's the link, Jeff. If you click it, it should work. Get Google Chrome or get Firefox or something like that. That's why it may not be linking. But anyway, news last week that came up was that the what remains of Pantera is um, reuniting. Now, I, I, I use these words very, very carefully because we don't know everything, okay? Um, there were rumors that it was Zach and uh, Zach Wilde and Charlie Benanti taking over the, the other spots of the other two. Oh, wait, here's Nick. He's shaking his head. Dude, here's, here's an idea. I think we should start trying to check this 10 minutes before we go on. Oh, really? Oh, you think so? That's what I was trying to do from the beginning, but no. 
we started checking at 8.58. I would not yeah, call today, it. Today, today, today. I got set up at 8.05, and that's what did it. It's because I was too prepared. You were too prepared. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Hang on one second. This worked. So now we're going to have to do this. <laughs> so now we have, we have Jeff Ballbag, Chinny, Lord Chinny and Henderson joining us. Uh, he's, 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 he's squeezing his sexual organs right there by rubbing his own chin. He's got a butt, too. He's got like a he's chin. Turn me on. I know, right? Jeff, go like this. Just go like this. Just... And now Siri is talking to me through my watch. What the hell is going on? So, yeah, and then Patty's like, oh, no, Mike's by himself. I was. I was, and now I have an overabundance of people here. That wouldn't just, have been a good show, just you solo. It wouldn't have? I don't think so. I would no. have done it. I'm the charm of the thing. Is that really it? You're like the fucking Cabbage Patch Kid of this show. You're going to go away soon enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, now Jeff is here. He'll be here just for a minute or so because now, you know, now he has to... Because it's no fun when he's actually on camera. It's way more fun when he's putting <laughs> shit in the chat and just just you know spewing words out of his anus so anyway I as i was saying as i was saying we'll get this from somebody else who who who, who likes music like jeff though that his taste is squarely in his mouth with the bands that he enjoys but um so wow. i was talking about i was talking about you know we brought it up last week on the show that that pantera what, what's remaining of pantera is getting back together and there was this massive uproar right and with the rumors of Zach and Charlie and what have you going crazy, people are like, oh, this is so great. I get to hear the music again. And the other people are like, oh, well, there's no dime and there's no Vinny. So there's no Pantera. Like, all right. Here's one thing that everybody forgot. They haven't said what they're calling themselves yet. Though. You can't call it Pantera. I'm sure they probably know that. I'm sure they're probably aware of that. It'll be called like a vulgar display of Pantera. Uh, somebody said it was going to be, uh, oh, what was it going to be? Uh, Panthrax, Panth- what was it? Panthrax Label Society or something like that. <laughs> it's so, going to be awful. It won't be awful. It'll be, the, whatever it's named will be awful. It'll be named something terrible, but I think it'll actually be pretty good. It's going to be a shit show. I'm sorry? The whole thing's going to be a shit show. Well, why that's where you you're wrong. So? Yeah, why do you think it's going to be a shit show? I, I just... Zach is no dime. Charlie is no Vinny. It's just there's there's complete, complete different styles of music and complete different feel of the things that they do. It's just not it's going to be a karaoke cover band. Okay. It's just my opinion. And how how is this? How is this bad? If they're not calling it Pantera and they start playing songs from all the bands that every one of those members are in. Which is what I guess would happen. I'm not sure I want to hear Phil Anselmo sing any Anthrax song. Me neither. No, but you can hear him sing Down, and you can hear him sing Black Label songs, and you know what have you. That you that know. well, that would be cool. I don't know. I I, I see what Jeff's saying because I mean you can't replicate those guys, right? I mean those guys are those guys. But exactly. I, I agree with that myself, too. But I do find myself going, okay, Charlie Benante, who's a phenomenal drummer. Was the he was the curveball? I would have never thought that that's who they'd ask. Not because he doesn't have the skill, just because I didn't think that that lined up with Pantera. But mm-hmm. when it, when it comes to Zach, I, I don't know who you would pick other than Zach. 
I don't think there's anybody else that could do it other than there are people that could do it, but not with the the swagger that would come remotely close to dime that Zach has. You know, or the Zach name. Zach I mean, will do pull, it justice. You could pull a bunch of guys that are that are playing in you know Pantera cover bands that can do it. I know a guy named Eric Smith who can play note for note dime shit. Oh yeah, but I'm sure there is. is, but it's not. But it's not the name, and you don't want somebody that looks like him either. No. You know, I think that would be even worse, to be honest. The fact that it's somebody that was that was friends with Dime, that was close with Dime, and has a style all, all on his own, I think that kind of adds something to it rather than takes away from it because you're never going to get Dime. So why would you put in a carbon copy of Dime, right? No, absolutely. But I just I kind of think that you're – I don't want to say disrespecting the, the name – but I would I would more so say that it seems like a cash grab than anything else, which I hate to say. Well, this it, has been this has been being pushed for a while. This is it just so happened now. But this is being been pushed for years. You know, this isn't the first time this has come up. So, uh, you know, yes, I, look, I see both sides of it. I'm not saying that I'm uh, I'm pro or against. I love the music. I'd love to hear the songs again. And it's not like Phil hasn't been playing those songs right. with every band that he's been in, except down, right. you know, um, yep. and it, so and it's not like I, Rex I wasn't some, an original member. I think some folks would feel different if Vinny was still here and Vinny was involved, because then they, I, I think it just because you, you'd think, right, he would have made whatever he would he, if if he thought dime would have been okay with it then he would have done it right but i think it's the fact that they're both gone that is rubbing people the wrong way totally but i but i get what you're saying mike i mean it's not uh, you know it, it's i think it's it, it the 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 meat of it is being based in it's going to be a great way to celebrate that catalog and for people yep. to hear those songs again for the first time in a long time with two great musicians stepping in for the two gone musicians. I get what Jeff's saying though. Those two guys aren't diamond Vinny, but you know, who is I, I get, and I get the idea of the, the, the tribute band thing, but I think like you could look back to um, remember a few years ago when ACDC had Axl Rose step in. Yeah. I, it was a bizarre choice. It was I, a lot of people disagreed with it. And they worked with that guy that sang in Thunderstruck, who's like a Brian Johnson clone. And I think what it comes down to is who's going to put asses in the seats. You can get a guy that plays and sounds like Dime, and that might be the better choice in terms of the musicality. But more people, I think, are going to come out to see Zach play those songs with those guys that aren't maybe diehard fans. The middle-of-the-road fans that hear whatever Pantera songs you hear on the radio – they're going to be more stoked to see Zach Wild playing those songs than they're going to be to see a tribute guy who would probably play them better. So it's 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 a, it's a weird thing, but I think, like Mike said, you know, Zach was dear friends with Dime, and it makes sense, absolutely makes sense, and it's going to get asses in seats, just like you said. I just think that it's not. I don't know. It it I I won't go see it. I just I it's not for me. Um, but you know, to the people that want to go have a great time, you know, but it just seems weird to me. That's all. Yeah, I could, I totally get that. But it, if there were not examples like this that happened in the past 20 years, I'd say, all right, yeah, no, this shouldn't fucking happen at all. 
But let's be honest. I mean, you know, it's a little different. I'm not saying it's apples to apples, but let's look at the past few Slayer tours, right? Jeff died, right? You can't bring him back. And he wasn't even playing with him before that. You bring in Gary Holt from another band who can play. He played his own style. People liked him. He was a good fit. You brought in Bostoff because Dave Lombardo went off the rails or whatever you, however you want to say it, you know, with the whole thing and was quit or fired or both, depending on who you ask, you know, but, and Paul had a history with the band. Okay. Charlie has a history with the band. Zach has a history with the band. They're both amazing. You know, will it be Pantera? No. Should it be called Pantera? No, it shouldn't. It should be called the Cowboys from hell. It should be called far beyond driven. It should be called. called. It'll be something like that. Yeah. It should be called something else. You know, as far as I'm concerned, if people will go see a band, called Thin Lizzy without Phil Lynott in it, anything could occur. I mean, what, like, was a, what, about, what about Foghat? Foghat right. still tours. I don't think there's an original member in that band anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. think there has I been. But, I, but I'm saying on the level of, like, when you have iconic people in the band, yeah. and make no mistake, Dimebag Daryl, yep. mo- one of the most iconic metal musicians there is. So like, that's why I use the Phil Lynott example, because if you can... If people will go see Thin Lizzy without the heartbeat of Thin Lizzy, I think you can get anybody to do anything. Exactly. For better so, or for worse, you know. And we're talking well, about a classic that. rock, super influential band in Thin Lizzy. It's not like they didn't do anything, you know. Right. Right. We saw Phil and the Illegals when they opened for Slayer, and he played the entire Vulgar album. Mm-hmm. Was it great? Eh. It was and, good. And not me. It was yeah, good. It was good. It wasn't something that made me go, "Holy shit, I would love to see this continue." But you know, it was it, Phil and the illegals, right? Exactly. You exactly. Know, it wasn't Phil and Dime. Obviously not. It wasn't Phil and Zach. It wasn't Phil and Rex. You know, you at least have Phil and Rex. And Rex, let's remember, he was an original member of the band. Yep. You yep. know, was he the heartbeat of the band? No. But was he a big part of the band? Yes. Yep. You know, so it's just a weird thing. It is a weird thing. I'm not saying it's not weird. I will never take that away. It's odd. And I'm curious. I'm really curious. But what I don't like is when people are just flying off the fucking handle going, oh, why are they doing this? Yeah. Is it a cash grab? Yeah, most likely. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. Any band going out on tour now, it's a cash grab because that's the only way you can make money, period. If you're in a band. All right, I've recorded 50 songs. I've made $7. <laughs> that's uh, $7.42 or something like that. It's some like strange number that that's what I've made, you know? So your mom's money doesn't count. What's that? Your mom's money doesn't count. Hey, she gave me that for lunch. <laughs> I love your mom, by the way. So, yeah, so, do, so do I, and so do most people because she's an awesome person. Um, and well, anyway. Uh, so, so getting back to it, I just wanted to touch on that again and just tell everybody, you know, slow your roll, chill out a little bit. Let's wait until all this comes out. It was funny because, uh, you know, they said it was, it was, I, I had heard from other people who was going to be in this version of Pantera for lack of a better term a week before they announced it. All right. And then it was rolled out as a rumor. And then later that day, it was confirmed and then i spoke with this person two days later and they're like it's not a done deal yet. <laughs> <laughs> so like i don't know why they're confirming it well, but then, now I mean, 
that's what the that, internet for you, right? I mean, I don't know if you saw Rob Zombie's post today, but the apparently there was some rumor going around that 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 Monsters movie caught like the original budget was forty million dollars, and it was going to go to theaters and all this stuff. And he was like, first of all, if you combined all my movies together, I didn't spend forty million dollars. And it's this has always been set that it was going to be on Netflix. It was never set for theaters. This, this is how it's always been. But of course, you know, the internet has decided things are different, you know, and it's, yeah. you know, there you go. But I, I do think at this point, even though maybe it's not a done deal, if it's out there like this, it's, it's going to happen. No, it's, it's probably going to happen. But the problem that comes out of this is then when people say it's confirmed, when it's not truly confirmed, it doesn't allow the band to get out in front of things. Mm-hmm. And that causes all this bad backlash that's happening right now because some jackhole wanted to be like, it's confirmed. I said it first. Like going back to like the late 90s on forums, like first, I responded first. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that's what it's become. And now it's already like pouring shit all over this what could be a good thing but we don't know because nobody's letting us find out but you can't win in this situation if you're them there's gonna be people that are pissed off that they're doing it it's it's there's no you're never gonna this is one of those situations where it's a lose lose no of course and 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 that's it is but the thing is you could mitigate the loss Right. You know, you can get out in front of it and be like, look, it's not going to be called Pantera. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. It's going to be where this is what we're doing. We're doing some shows. We're doing some festivals. But this is this is the problem with all the rumors and and people knowing things, you know, prior to and and not keeping their mouths shut. If they would have done this a different way and, you know, just went out and done like a press thing and done an interview and said, hey, this is what we're going to do and did it before anybody talked about it it would have gone over much better because it would have been an official thing you know as well as i do jeff that sometimes those are the intentions and the person you trust throws it out there anyway some person that's trusted heard it from somebody else who said don't tell anyone and then that person told somebody else and told them don't tell anyone and then somebody else said it don't tell anyone and that person told somebody who knows somebody at metal edge or whatever you know it's, it's that age-old mob saying of three people can keep a secret if two are dead yeah exactly. <laughs> right yeah yeah yep. it's like it's like a bad game of telephone you know yeah. and and that's where i start getting bent you know because like you know all right so let's talk about this another thing that's happening which is not a surprise it's not like it hasn't been known about but paul bostoff is playing drums for Kerry king <laughs> big shock I was hearing about that like six months before the farewell tour ended. Yeah, exactly. Like this has been talked about for a while, you know, and like whatever. It, it's well, it's this just is, this is where my cue will be to let you guys finish your show. <laughs> yeah, I will exit now. I know nothing, and you guys have a great show. And I will watch and I will talk shit in the chat. <laughs> Thanks and for with that, by, Jeff. With, with that, we're gonna do this. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're alone now. It doesn't seem to be a ball bag around. All right. Hey, that's a cover. It is. Exactly. It's playing. I kind of did that on purpose because it kind of ties into our whole theme. 
But, uh, well, thank you, Jeff Henderson, for sitting in with us for a little bit. And uh, appreciate you buying some time here, uh, even though you came on after Nick came back. But that's okay. That's all right. It worked. We have Nick back. So, Nick Morocco, now that you're here and we got through that that portion that wasn't even scripted, but hey, it wasn't part of our show, but uh, who are you? You're Nick Morocco, and you are from, what do you Rock, own? Rock City Music Company. Where is it? Livonia, Michigan. Where can we find you? RockCityMusicCo.com. What do you sell? Guitars, amps, records, t-shirts, Funko Pops, human hair. Whoa. Yeah. That's, is, that, is that a new, a new stream yeah, of income? we just recently got into that. And what won't you give me? Kiss the original. I hate you. Les Paul R9. Now, eventually, you'll probably wind up giving me that, but... Um, but not kiss the original. Uh, no, yeah, I fucking hate you for that one. So, anyway. All right. So, one thing before we continue on. I have a bone to pick with Facebook, and I'm going to say this. And I know that some people are watching this on Facebook. That's why I tell you, come to YouTube, because it's better. So, last week... Last week, I, 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 made a, I made a funny, right? I played two clips. I paid, played a clip of a very dirty U2 album that somebody had gotten in, in, in a raffle, and they had won, and I said I was going to clean it. So I played a sample of that, and then it was like 20 seconds worth, right? And then I played the next sample, and it was like 20 seconds of Painkiller by Judas Priest. Do you know, do you know that Facebook muted a minute five of our video? For that reason. I don't know that, but I'm not surprised. They did. They did. Because it's copyright and copyrighted material. Which, which and, is a shame because that was a fantastic setup that you had. But I tell you this much, you know who didn't? YouTube! Which is surprising because I don't know if you watch Rick Beato, but he's... Oh, yeah. No, they, they wipe out half of his stuff. But here's the thing. It was like... 20 seconds of me, you know, you couldn't even tell what the song, Judas Priest, you could probably tell a little better, but I'm not making money off this and they right. don't mute it. They just put in a copyright thing and you can't monetize it. I'm okay with that because I'm already poor. And that joke was worth not making any money. Exactly. It was totally worth it. So Facebook hate you. I saw Rick Beato in the uh, Delta Sky Club in LAX when I was yeah. leaving Nam. Delta Sky Club. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's pants. Rick Beato. And I was going to, I was, he, I could tell he was on the phone, but I wanted to go talk to him, but of course I didn't because he was on the phone. So I was like, maybe when I come back around, if he's not on the phone, I'll say something. When I came back around, he was gone. Actually, Patty makes a really good point here. Patty makes a great point. If you go live on FB at a concert, you don't get nailed. Well, is it probably can't uh, detect whatever song they're playing probably because it's live yeah but i like this was a video that i reprocessed of me playing a record with a phone it's not like i poured it in an mp3 whatever but she's right i i mean you know that that happens all the time and nobody gets kicked to the curb but like 20 seconds of crackly poppy shitty u2 and then 25 seconds of awesome crisp Judas Priest is not going to, you know, make or break this show monetarily. Like, really. It I, might. Just, maybe it will. Put, All right. Cole, put Cole McCartney's comment up about the Delta Sky Club. Well, it, it is. The Delta Sky Club is the best part of it. For me, it was the American Airlines Club because I'm an American Airlines guy. 
and I would fly first class because I, I had a bunch of points, so I was just able to up, upgrade. So you got to see Rick Beato twice, not once, but twice I run into Al Pacino. No way. Yeah. No, okay, see, now that's fucking sweet. See, I, was now, just, I like Rick Beato, but, like, not – I mean, Al Pacino, that's a fucking living I'd, I'd be able to approach Rick Beato way easier than it was for me to approach Al Pacino. I didn't. I just nodded. He nodded back. I talked to his girlfriend when we were getting drinks together at the self-service bar. And that oh was it. God. And I just oh, left man. it. I wouldn't even, I'd be like, I, you. what could you say? Right? You know, that's like one of those guys where you could be like, well... Do you say nothing? Do you say something about Michael Corleone? Do you I would I would have went up and I would have been like, you know, Al, I really like when you had your head all the way up it. Oh ass. Great ass. You know, like what what do you do? You make fun of him in other movies, you know? Right. Or or you go, What about when he played Jimmy Hoffa? Or he played uh uh Phil Spector or the Phil Spector one was kind of creepy. Yeah, he was great <laughs> when he was uh Kevorkian too. He was great as Kevorkian. He was great. He's great when he's a killer. He's great just in general. <laughs> Every part he's played is like somebody who kills somebody else. That's, yeah, he, that's pretty much. He's it. got that dialed in. Yeah, very much he, so. All he's right. Great in Heat. Oh my God. Fuck. I, I would. I'd you like, like Al Pacino in Heat? Why not? Oh, the movie. Yeah. Oh, oh I no. see what you're doing. <laughs> But I'd be things where you gotta be like I would just I would leave the club. I'd be like, I'm not even good enough to be in here if I'm not worthy. Nah, it was cool, man. It was cool to like and and he's not a tall guy and I felt tall. It was good. And you're not Um, tall. And fuck you. (laughs) I got You're not tall. You're not tall. I might not be tall, but I'm handsome and you're not. Yeah. Maybe, but I'm taller. So anyway. Moving on, we have a show to actually do, yeah, we got a show to do. Uh, and we got to go through this quick. So, yeah. um, what are you listening to? So, I saw Elton John on Monday, and it I was, saw that it was absolutely hair raising, phenomenal, so great. His last Michigan show of his career, um, but uh, even up into that, what kind of forced my hand to go was when I've been listening to Yellow Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and Madman Across the Water. The new there you go. 50th anniversary 5.1 mix just outstanding and uh also pink floyd animals which is my favorite pink floyd record because roger waters is this weekend so getting getting into the uh pink floyd headspace well let me know if there's any anti-semitic rants that he goes on there might be. Show. Uh, man that guy is like i mean i appreciate the musicianship but wow that's like playing with fire yeah it gets a little it gets a little much no yeah, doubt about that it, it's a bit it's anti-zionist blah, blah, blah. like wow dude just like keep your mouth shut yeah and play comfortably now yeah exactly and reunite with pink floyd and make a lot of money cash grab well, that's um, David gilmore not roger yeah exactly so uh actually it's half and half right well, yeah, they don't get along, but I'm pretty sure it's David Gilmore that's drew the line that said he won't. Oh, yeah, no. Like well, it's it's David Gilmore and the rest of the band. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> it's not just David Gilmore. I, I can assure you of that. Everybody's like, no, he's a douche. <laughs> like with He's a, a genius, though. He's a genius douche, but a douche nonetheless. <laughs> so, all right, what have I been listening to? Well, well, finally, I didn't realize this had come out on vinyl at some point. And I found it, and I got it. Oh, yeah. 
this is, and there's something to this too, because, hey, we're talking about covers today, and it's a full album of covers from 1993, all Jimi Hendrix covers, and actually my uh, discovered selection at the end of the show comes from this album, so. Uh, but yeah, I've been I've been listening to this. I mean, there's there's some good covers on here, and there's some not so good covers on here. That's very 1993. It it's so well. I mean, when you have PM Dawn as one of the artists on here, that's that's a little weird. Uh, Belly doing "Are You Experienced?" Eh, questionable. Um, but Pat Metheny doing Third Stone from the Sun" is yeah, badass. Yeah, and of course uh, Eric Clapton doing "Stone Free," pretty good. But I think the the one the one single that really did something on here was Jeff Beck and Seal doing Manic Depression. Yeah. I think that's what um that turned me on to this initially and then one other song that I will name later that I just feel is so much better than the original. Um no offense, just how I feel. But uh cool. Now, do you what's coming out this week? So, got a, selected a couple of reissues and a new release. So, the big thing is the Motley Crue catalog from Too Fast for Love through Dr. Feelgood is being reissued. So they've been in and out of print for the last couple of years, but only in waves. Like they'll come out, they'll get all swiped up, and then Dr. Feelgood goes back to being $100 for a reissue. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. So apparently they're solving that problem. Uh, They they say they're newly remastered, but I'm pretty sure they're using the plates from, from the 2015 reissues. Um, they sound good. I don't think it matters, but for the Motley Crue fans that have, uh, keep getting shut out of these albums, yeah. so that would be Too Fast for Love, Shout at the Devil, Theater of Pain, Girls, 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 and Dr. Feelgood are all being reissued. When they're going to do the Karabi record, I don't know. They should, because that's like a $350 album, so Easily. hopefully they do it eventually. Easily, um, yeah. But, but And then past that, we don't need anything else they did, but... Um, that's, those are coming out, and then also a reissue of uh, The Grey Chapter by Slipknot. Those have been coming out. All the Slipknot albums have been coming out in very small runs on colored vinyl. Yep. Um, so The Grey Chapter comes out this week. and I, then, just, uh, I actually just picked up the first album the, on lemon-colored vinyl. Yep. And that you know one, what? I, I got to tell you, it actually sounds really good. It sounds like it was remastered for vinyl, and it sounds good. I believe they did. I believe they went through and made vinyl masters for all those records. So, um, the, yeah, people are stoked about that, and especially yeah. Iowa getting reissued. So they're yeah, moving. That was that was like catalog. the the the, uh, the grail of of their catalog. So yep, yep. I've got an original pressing of Iowa, and I think it's like four hundred dollars is the value on it. At least, um, at least. And then coming out this week is uh, Jack White entering entering Heaven Alive. This is the second Jack record of the year. Um, he recorded two records in 21. So the first one that came out, uh, Fear of the Dawn, is uh, definitely more of his rock stuff, more what he's known for. And then this is more of the laid back acoustic stuff. There's about 10 variants of it coming out. So you got your standard black vinyl. There's a target version. There's a third man vault version. There's a third man.com version. Of course there is. <laughs> Urban Outfitters. Cause you know, they're a record store. Um, they are. Yeah. They, they have a, um, they have a variant. So it's, it's, it's all over the place, but from what I've heard of the record, it's great. The last one that came out a few months ago was great. Jack's still out there touring and uh, it's the best stuff he's done in a while. So Patty brings up, she doubts that Karabi would do the uh, the Motley Crue album, but you know what? Karabi has no rights 
at all with that no. band. It is so not up to him. Nope. If Motley Crue wants to put it out on vinyl, reissue it on vinyl, they will. The thing is that I think Vince will probably nix it more than anyone else. So I don't think John Karabi has to worry because he has Vince Meal to back him up. Yep. I saw Karabi for like the 20th anniversary of that record, which was almost 10 years ago now. He toured it and, uh, you know, had a full band because usually he just tours and plays acoustic. Yeah. He had a full band and played that record front to back. And it was, it was great. It was, it was awesome. The band he had was killer. And uh, I think he released a live album of that tour. So if there's, and, and it came out on vinyl. So if you're looking for a vinyl copy of that record, no, you're not getting Motley Crue doing it. But it, it is a nice representation of it. A nice representation. I love that record. <laughs> the drum, Tommy Lee's drumming on that record. He's he's before right, he breaks ribs and doesn't play live. Yes, before that, he might be. Uh, it seems like he's a lot to deal with, but he's a fucking killer drummer. No, Tommy. Look, I I I've had a I've spent a minute with Tommy. So and and he's crazy, and he, but he's like. Like, I just wanted to hug the dude. Like, I told him I I, I, um, I met him because he was looking for management at the time. It was before Methods of Mayhem had come out. And I went there with my boss, who was the, you know, was the at the time, who was the, the big cheese. And uh, we went to the producer's studio. And uh, at the time, I smoked. And Tommy smokes. And, and we both went outside. And I'm like, I have, like, seven minutes with Tommy Lee alone. All right. Cool. <laughs> I'm like, hey man, I'm gonna say this once. You know, I, I, you know, really love everything your band is not everything you've done as a musician, and uh, you know, the band I used to be in used to cover Motley Crue songs. Is like, man, you guys probably did it better than us. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I severely doubt that. <laughs> you, you, you never heard my band. It was not good. I've um, got to, for for our intro. I've got to send you the vi- not the video. But the picture of me as Tommy Lee when I did the uh, I there was a, me and a few friends did a Motley Crue tribute for two oh, nice. shows here in Detroit in nice. uh, like 2015, and obviously I was Tommy, so I did the whole shout at the devil, get up with the big black hair and the studded cod piece and everything. So you got to drop that in the intro. I don't know if anybody will stick around for the show. <laughs> I'm afraid I might not make it for that show. All right. That's enough. Let's get into the meat of the matter here. Now, the last week we did a whole marathon of this song sucks <laughs> and it was good and the song sucked uh, and nobody watched. But and nobody's watching now. Well, there's five people watching now. So thank you for the, all five of you. Really appreciate it. Uh, if you're watching on on Facebook, please come to YouTube because Facebook sucks. How about Jeff Henderson, Jack White is the most overrated musician on the planet. Uh, I don't know if I disagree or not. I, there's got to be somebody who's a little bit more overrated than Jack White, but he's, yeah, but he's close. Uh, no, Tom Morello is actually a decent musician. He just doesn't play like it. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, pardon me. So um, anyway, I burped. Actually, no, that was Nick. Uh, no, it was Jeff. So uh, anyway, we did a marathon of this song sucks, but this week I figured it's not necessarily a marathon, but it's something that I thought of and I thought it was really interesting. There are a lot of songs out there that people think, and I was thrown by this too, doing more research for this week. Um, There's a lot of songs out there that people think are the actual original. It was the first time that it was recorded. 
and they're actually cover tunes. <laughs> there are so many of them out there, and they will blow your mind. There are some that are obvious and that you know that people of a certain age may not know our our originals, but we do because we're of an older age. I mean, uh, I didn't know that were covers that they think that they're originals, but we know because we know better, and we you know we work in music and what have you. Um, Oh, yeah, look, uh, Gall McCartney says, uh, Tom Morello is very good at not sounding very good. So that's, that's, that's nice. Now, Tom, I know you're watching. If you want to come on the show and you want to give Gall McCartney what for, you're more than welcome to. I also know that you don't like the Beatles, which I still don't understand. Oh, no. So it just, I would love to just, you know, oh, I, I like Rage Against the Machine. I like what Tom Morello does, but I, I want to kick him in the pancreas because he doesn't like the Beatles. Um, so that's, that's kind of irritating in a lot of ways. It's sort of like that chafing in your groin irritation. That's just not good. That's, that's how it strikes me. But anyway, getting back to it, there's lots of songs that people feel are the original, but they're actually a cover tune. Thus lead the name, the chicken or the egg, All right? What came first? And in doing some research, there are some songs that are a cover of a cover. Yep. And you thought that first cover was the original. So it's kind of wacky. And we're going to go through some of them now. And just to let you know, at the end of the show, I'm actually going to put together a playlist. It'll probably be up tomorrow because I have a lot to do tonight. I'm leaving for a trip tomorrow. But I'll probably put it up tomorrow. And uh, it'll be on Cover to Covered on Facebook, as you can see down there below. Uh, And on... uh, uh, on here as well on, on YouTube, I'll put in, I'll put a link in the, in the, um, in the description and it'll be the song, the original and the cover sort of back to back. Okay. So you can do a comparison and it's, it'll be, a, it's a really cool experiment. I really enjoyed doing the research on this. I knew a bunch off the top of my head. And then there were some that like, Whoa, that was, and that wasn't wow. Okay. So, all right, hang on one second. Shut up! There, I feel better. I had to get that out. Uh, Jeff Henderson is never allowed on the show again for making this comment. Yeah, I'm not surprised that he said that. Of course. Yeah, he likes Kick Tracy. Um, So let's start. Nick, I'm going to let you go first, man, because I know that I I ate up a whole bunch of things that you wanted to do. So I'll give you the uh, first right of refusal here. So tell us. Tell us a song that people would think is the original, but it's actually a cover tune. Okay, so the first one that came to my mind, because most people don't know that this is a cover, was King of the Nighttime World by Kiss uh, on Destroyer. It was actually recorded by a band called Hollywood Stars that was managed by Kim Fowley, who also managed The Runaways, and he wrote that song. He wrote King of the Nighttime World. So there's a recorded version of Hollywood Stars. Of course, their album came out and it was a bomb and no one paid attention. But Actually, I think it, it came out after Destroyer. It might have. But, it was recorded um, before Destroyer, though. Correct. And Kim Fowley pres- basically played that song for Bob Ezrin and Paul Stanley. And the Hollywood Stars version is pretty close to the Kiss version. I mean, I think they just yeah. did a, a pretty much a lift of it. But they, it's a they, pretty they high Ezrin did. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> But it's a pretty iconic Kiss song. I mean, it was in their set for a long time. It's a song right after Detroit Rock City. It's important in their career. And a lot of people, including myself, until I was, you know, uh, until I figured it out, thought that that was a Kiss original and it is a cover. Yep. Yep. Crazy. 
It's crazy. I didn't, I didn't even know. I mean, I knew that, but I didn't know that. Yeah. And so when you sent me the list, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. But I associate the kiss version because I've never heard the Hollywood, the Hollywood stars version. So, yes. uh, so we'll find it and then we'll put it on that playlist as well. So you can hear them back to back. Uh, for me, I started off with some easy ones, ones that people probably knew. Um, but they're like titanically skewed towards the cover as far as popularity. And the first one I cho- chose was blinded by the light by the, by man from man's earth band. Now, you, of course, know, and a lot of people do, but there's a lot of people who don't know. That's a Bruce Springsteen song. Yep. And when you hear them back to back, you know, no offense to Bruce, even though I don't like him. All right. But you could see why the Man for Man version is so popular yeah. and why people would think it's the original. It is so different than Bruce's version. I mean, like the, 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 the you know, the key is the same. You know, the, every, the way everything kind of flows is the same, but Man for Man really put their their imprint. The, arra- on it. the arrangement's completely different. It's yeah. one of those, and, and I have a couple, and I know you do because I, I saw some of your list. It, it's a great example of you don't know how they took that song and got to the point that they did because 100%. It, it is completely different. I mean, the yep. Bruce version is a very stream of consciousness. It's very Bob Dylan. It's, yeah. it, it's a it's a band track. It's not an acoustic Bruce song. But there's a couple verses cut out of the Manford Man version. But even just the, the the iconic bridge of the Manford Band version is part of the verse in one in the Bruce version. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I don't it's know crazy. how they got to that 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 point, but it, it's it's the ultimate example of taking an original and twisting it all around and making it your own. And uh, just to give a shout out to a band called uh, Cult Stars from Mars, who uh, used to be called Fuzz Bubble. Uh, my friend Jason was a drummer. Uh, and Jim Bocci is the uh, guitar player and, and Mark singer. They actually did a cover of Blinded by the Light during uh, COVID, during quarantine, uh, remotely, which was kind of cool. Uh, they got Jay, who was the drummer, wound up playing bass because they got Mike Portnoy to play drums. And then Jeff Scott Soto did the vocals. That's sweet. And then they got a, a keyboard player from the Beach Boys to do like the synth part. So and they do it note for note. They nail it. The video is on YouTube. If you want to check it out, search, you know, Blinded by the Light, Cult Stars from Mars, and you guys will enjoy it. They they really do it authentically to the Manfred Man Earth Band version. Manfred Man's Earth Band version. So all right, Nick, you're up. Okay, so one I picked, which you know, a lot of uh metal fans know this or hard rock fans know this, but I hear all the time in the store that people don't realize this is a cover. So Metallica doing whiskey in the jar which right. is, is based on the thin lizzy version but yes. it's, it's an irish traditional folk song so yeah. you can't even say that thin lizzy's the original but the version metallica is playing is the thin lizzy arrangement of it so that that is a, a prime example of I, I i can't believe people don't know that it's a cover but there's tons of people that were exposed to that song because of metallica so it's 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 a, i guess it's a double edged sword it really is. You know, it was on that was a Guitar Days Revisited, right? Uh-huh. Wasn't it on that, right? Along with like Garage Inc. It was on. A Garage Inc. Yeah. Uh, Garage Days Re... But there was... No, it was Garage Days Re-Revisited. Wasn't that the compendium of everything that was... Yeah, yeah. That yeah was it was the, on that disc, but it was part of yeah. Garage Inc. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, along with some other really shitty covers they did. Um, but, like Turn the Page. Yeah, that one is not so good. 
Um, yeah, it, it's it's one of those that, and that kind of irritates me a bit because like Metallica it, uh, again, we have this whole like yin yang thing with Metallica. Up until halfway through the Black Album, we're good. Everything after that, somewhat questionable as far as our devotion, right? That was after <laughs> Black yeah. Album. Right. It's like, uh, ugh. So I, I, I don't have much more to say than that. Um, my next one, um, you gave this one back to me because you picked another one by the same band. Uh, Diamonds and Rust. All right. Heavy metal fans love Judas Priest. Judas Priest did Diamonds and Rust. And it's on Sad Wings of Destiny, right? Um, And it was originally written and sang by Joan Baez. Yes, that Joan Baez. And she wrote it and sang it about her relationship with Bob Dylan. Yep. (laughs) So, like, if you didn't know that Rob Halford was gay then... How about... If you didn't realize that Bob Dylan's fingerprint is on literally everything. Yeah, literally. Like, everything from folk to heavy metal. Bob Dylan is somehow involved, for better or worse. Yeah, that one's one's a good one. That one's a good one. And, of course, you know, Joan Baez actually liked that version a lot. (laughs) So she was flattered, as she said. Uh, Joan seems like she's pretty hip, to be honest, when you you see her in interviews and stuff. Joan's metal. I could, see, I could see her digging the Judas Priest version, for sure. John Baez is all sorts of metal. Yeah. Uh, which, like which just to tie it back, have you, ever, have you ever seen, uh, there's a clip from the 80s of Bob Dylan talking to these kids outside his concert at some arena. It's like 1986. Mm-hmm. And the kid's got the Aussie shirt on, and yep. Bob Dylan's like, do you like rap? <laughs> yeah, that's such a great clip. Oh, my God. The well, fact they, that he knew who rat was. Right, well, which is probably because of Jacob Dylan. I'm sure the age. Oh, I'm sure was, it was, was his probably, son. Yeah, he was probably super. You know, Jacob was probably yeah. into that stuff. But I just picture Bob Dylan like driving around cranking wanted man. <laughs> Next, you're up. <laughs> okay, so another one I wanted to spotlight because this is I love this song, um, but most people don't know that "Hush" by Deep Purple is a cover. I didn't know that either until you brought it up. I was like, wow, I didn't even realize that. Yep. And another fun fact that a lot of people don't know is it's, it is their best selling single is hush. That I knew. If you go see deep purple tonight, it will be their encore. That's Mm. how important it is to, to their career. So more so, more so than smoke on the water in terms of success. Yes. Yes. I mean, in the, in the guitar music world, obviously on the water is the track, but to the general public, Hush is the song. So yep. uh, that was recorded by Joe South originally. And it's with the original lineup of Deep Purple, which doesn't have Ian Gillen or Roger Glover. It's got Rod Evans and Nick Simper on bass. And then, of course, Ian Pace, Richie Blackmore, John Lord. Um, but the thing that always kills me about that tune is is uh, that's a few years before they're like the Deep Purple that we know, the hard yeah. rock Deep Purple. Not that they weren't rocking in that regard because if you listen to the joe south version the deep purple version is much heavier and it's got that of course got the john lord b3 solo going on in it and stuff but um for it being such a connected song to deep purple it's not what you know them for yeah so yeah, it, it very much isn't but it's a great tune 100 percent, 100 percent. um this one was fun 
this one was one of those for me that kind of blew my mind a little bit because I didn't realize it was a cover of a cover. All right. Now, for a lot of kids, millennials, they heard Drift Away, right? And they thought Uncle Cracker did it. <laughs> right. Well, Uncle Cracker, first of all, you call yourself Uncle Cracker, your your career is probably doomed. And he was he, lived, he, he lives down the street from me. Does he really? Yes. Well, tell him hi. Uh, and ask him if he wants to come on the show before I start yelling about him. Yeah, um, maybe we can get him to come on. But now, look, I saw Kid Rock play. First time I saw Kid Rock, no joke, was at the Troubadour in L.A. in front of 200 people. Place was half empty. And Uncle Cracker was doing his DJ thing. And, he, you know, and they, you knew that they were going to be stars. You knew it. They commanded the crowd. You just knew that they had the attitude. It was just a matter of time. Uh, and then Kid Rock became huge. And then Uncle Cracker's like, wait, I want to be huge too. So he put out an album and he had some Sugar Ray-esque hit, uh, Follow Me or whatever the hell it was called. And then yep. the second song was a cover of Drift Away. And the, the famous version was done by Dobie Gray back in 1973. All right. What I didn't know, well, wait, let me get there first. Uh, Uncle Cracker actually had Dobie Gray sing on the cover version of the song. So he paid tribute. That's great. But what I did not know was that the Dobie Gray version was not the original version. I didn't know that either. I did not know that. It was done by a guy called John Henry Kurtz in 1972. And here's another kicker. The song was written by Mentor Williams, who is Paul Williams' brother. Wow. It's kind of funky, right? Yeah. That's, so yeah. I found the I found the original. I don't know if it's on Spotify. I may have to search for it, but I found it on YouTube. You can totally find it on YouTube. And it follows the same thing. But Dobie Gray's version is far better because the voice is just there, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, the Dobie Gray version is definitely far better. No offense to John Henry Kurtz. But there's a reason why the John Henry Kurtz version didn't do anything. And there's a reason why the Dobie, the Dobie Gray version did. Yeah. Because his voice is so much more soulful and really just put it over the top. So that was that was an interesting one where it was a cover of a cover. Yes. You know. You're That's, yeah, yeah. That I'm I want to hear the original original. It's actually it's not bad. It's just more pedestrian. Yeah. I, I you know, it just doesn't have it doesn't have the the you know that the soul. I, I don't know how else to put it. Well, the vocal on the Dobie Gray one is yeah, it's bulletproof. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely bulletproof. And it, it really that is the separator. It's not that the musicianship was bad. The 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 music the musicianship and the music in both versions is probably close to equal, but the, the lead vocal really separates it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pull my Judas Priest track out now, and I see Jeff commented on it. Yep. Uh Green Monolishi with the two pronged crown. And you've brought this up in prior shows too. Yes, yeah, it was it was my discovered pick at one yep. point. Um, mm -hmm. Again, another example of I don't know how they got to the arrangement that they did <laughs> because the Peter Green version, the Peter Green era Fleetwood Mac, so that's the bluesy Fleetwood yes. Mac. Mark Mark one of Mach Fleetwood one, Mac, yes. two back from the Lindsey Buckingham Stevie Nicks era, mm -hmm. um, is a it's it's a blues. Like sort of, I don't want to say meandering because it's not. I don't mean it in a bad way, but it's 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 a very pulled back track, and 
for priests to get to what they did with it is really, it's really something. Yeah. Um, and it's one of my absolute favorite top five Judas Priest tracks. Um, the Halford vocal, of course. I like it better than the, the Peter Green era version. I know a lot of people would have my head for that. Um, <laughs> but but a, a lot of people don't realize that that is a Fleetwood Mac song. They yeah. think it's Judas Priest. It is. Um, no, that's, that's a great call. It's a great call. Um, this one's easy. And I'm not going to belabor the point on this one, but there was a band called the arrows around early to mid seventies. And they did a song and it didn't do anything, but then there was this rocker chick named Joan jet who did a cover of it. And it's called, I love rock and roll. It is like one of the simplest songs to play it there's there's it's the same four chords there's you know that's it it's easy to play it's fun to sing and she destroyed it in a good way yep and but it was not her tune but everybody associates that song with Joan Jett but it's not her song it was done by the arrows about 7 years prior so uh that's you know and there's a lot of people that know that. That one's one of those easier ones because, you know, pop culture, you just learn, oh, that Joan Jett, I didn't write that song. I didn't, you know. Most but, most people don't realize most of Joan Jett's hits are covers. A lot Ain't of Bad Reputation. For Loving You yeah. is a cover. Light yep. of Day is a cover. Um, what's well, Light the, of Day was sang with Michael J. Fox. So Yeah, but you know who it was written that. by? My mom. No. I don't remember. Bruce Springsteen. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I already hate it. <laughs> No wonder why I've, that movie. No wonder why that movie failed. I've seen Bruce do it, and I was pretty stoked. I'm just around the corner to the light of day. Yeah, was it kind of like that? Much spot on. Yeah, pretty much spot on. Only, only it was a li- little faster. Just a hair. <laughs> around the corner to the light of day. Yeah. Yeah, we should have had Man from Man's Earth Band do it. It would have been a hit. <laughs> Well, you know, that's the other thing about that is, you know, did you, you know, Manfred Mann went, they tried to replicate that two more times because they also did For You by Bruce Springsteen and they also did a cover of Dancing in the Dark. They I did not know that. Yeah, they attempted two more times to go back to the Springsteen while oh, to wow. see if they could get another hit I out of it. I didn't know that. That's hysterical. <laughs> All right, you're up. We got a lot to get through. Yep, yep. Um, Let me see. Next one I'm going to go with, which I had no idea this was a cover was uh, Grand Funk Railroad Some Kind of Wonderful. That I knew, but I didn't know who did it originally. Who did it originally? Soul Brothers 6. So, uh, like you just nobody said, I've ever pulled, heard of. <laughs> no, I pulled it up on, on YouTube, and again, it's it's uh, Grand Funk pretty much did their version of it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's got a little bit more of a Motown feel. It's a group vocal rather than just an individual, but the arrangement's pretty pretty exact. Um Fun fact, uh, most people don't realize Don Brewer, the drummer of Grand Funk, sings that tune. Not oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. He's he's the singer on that. He's the singer on Shining On, and we're an American band. Oh, well, there you go. And yeah. it's like the three songs you kind of associate with Grand Funk Railroad. except Other than, yeah, other than Closer to Home, I'm Your Captain, which yeah. is Mark Varner. Um, Don Brewer is the lead vocalist on those tracks. So you if go. you go see Grand Funk right now, you can see... Uh, Don Brewer still sing those songs with Bruce Kulick playing guitar. <laughs> he's in he's in Grand Funk now. He's huh? been in Grand Funk since like two thousand. Yeah, well, you got to make money. Yeah, they're still great live. I have to see them. 
Um, all right, this one was weird. I tainted love. Okay. Mm-hmm. People mostly knew that Marilyn Manson this was not a Marilyn Manson original, right? Right. He kind of knew, but he put his own spin on it, which was cool. And it was originally done by Soft Cell, but it wasn't originally done by Soft Cell. No. <laughs> Back in the early 80s, it was a band Soft Cell, and that was like their hit. And they, there were two different versions of it. There was a radio version of it that was strictly Tainted Love. And then if you had like the album version, it actually had like some interpolation, Where Did Our Love Go by the Supremes, right? Yep. It's funny, though, that that was the song they chose to kind of throw in there as well, because the original artist who did it is Gloria Jones. She did it back in 1964. Okay. Like a full 20 years before soft celery did maybe like 17 years, but either way, it was way earlier. Her version is a very Supremes esque version of that song. Mm-hmm. And I found it on YouTube and I listened to it. And I'm like, wow, it sounds like Diana Ross and the Supremes could have done this song. That's the kind of arrangement that it had. And you're like, well, how did you get from this to take my kids and make me really, hey, you know, like it's you sound just like him. I know that which that's terrible. But either way, it was really interesting to hear how like they got from one to the other. Uh, and it's funny to hear how some of these are, and there's a lot of this and we have a lot more to go in this list that the, the original songs are so disparate from what they turned into, you know, but that's why they became very popular. It's not that the source code was bad. It's just the source code needed to be tweaked to reach a broader audience. So this is one of those cases. They made it a very new wavy type of hit back in the early sixties, mid sixties, that Supremes thing was like a dime a dozen. So it got lost in the sauce, but the song was good. So soft cell took it, made it a hit. Marilyn Manson took it, made it a hit again. Basically, more of a similar version to the soft cell version. But I wonder if Manson knew that it was originally like a Supremes-esque hit from like the early 60s. Probably not. I'm going to guess he didn't know. I'm sure he probably didn't. And now nobody cares about Marilyn Manson because he's an ass. Yep. Next. um, Can't talk about cover songs without mentioning this one. Which I think is the definitive version of the song now because of what they did with it. Van Halen, You Really Got Me, which yep. is a cover of the Kinks. Yep. Um, another example of people just assume it's a Van Halen song because it's so etched into the Van Halen DNA that it's assumed it's a Van Halen song, but it's not. Um, but it, it totally made it the definitive version, turned it on its head in the way of like beefing it up. But the arrangement, again, like you're saying, it follows the, the the exact arrangement of the of the Kinks version, yep. um, and all they really did, all Van Halen did, really was heavy it up. I mean, yep. and of course, add the amazing solo from Eddie, but um, it's it's pretty pretty damn close to the Kinks version. But I think it was like taking it into the next generation, and then of course nobody has done it since or should because it's it it got what it needed from Van Halen and that's where it needs to be done. How how could you cover that cover? Like you you yeah. can't. First of all, the Kinks version was amazing. It was it was like this sort of innovative, you know, dive into distortion. Yep. You know, like Dave Davies really has to be given a lot more credit than he is. Not that he was an innovative guitar player, but with sound, he was the guy that was really getting that rock him and Ike Turner both. Yep. And Ike Turner did it by accident. 
So, because I think if I remember correctly, the story goes something like they were loading in for a gig. Somebody dropped the amp and it made it fuzz. Yep. You know, and, it was something like that. And Dave Davies, to get that distortion, he cut slices in his speaker. Yeah, that's how he did it. Yep. So, you know, it, it was it was kind of weird things like that, you know, that both of those guys, you know, Ike Turner beat women, which is terrible, but he helped invent distortion type things. So well, that's good for him on that one. Yeah. And Dave Davies, for that matter. Like I said, you know, just coming up with that tone. Nobody had that tone. No. Nobody did that. They were no, like the George first heavy Harrison. metal band. No, George Harrison lifted that. Um, Keith yeah. Richards lifted that. Yeah. All those guys were like, when they heard that, they were like, how the hell do we do that? Um, excuse me. Get down! <laughs> my dog was on my bar. Roger. He was getting a drink. Uh, y- you know what? Bring me one, Here's man. Roger. I don't drink during the week, and I've been drinking during the week. Uh, I just Shout out to Gall McCartney for the... Um, hazy punch ipa whatever the hell that was that's all the that's what got left in the fridge so that's what brand what, what brand that looks Shell like local brew that's, def- that's definitely a local detroit brew no it's brewed in st louis it says so on the can uh, it's close but it's got a like a like a like a you know sticker wrap on it so it does but yeah, again, this episode of Cover to Cover is brought to you without them knowing by Mission Brewery. And who? Sh- sh- shall I fly? Shall I fly? Okay, great. <laughs> My girlfriend helped brew this. I'm just saying. Uh, anyway, so moving on. Uh, I will say though, just in not, I, didn't, I don't have it on my list, but to kind of add on to the whole Van Halen thing. Ice Cream Man, I think even more so. Because oh, people yeah. know the Kinks. Like you can, you would probably know the Kinks tune, but Ice Cream Man, like nobody knows the original of that one. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. So for me, this was another weird one too. I I have a Cheryl Crow story. I think I may have told the Cheryl Crow story on it. Did I tell you this Cheryl Crow story? I don't right, think so. so. I've got I a Cheryl Crow story too. Yeah, I didn't meet Cheryl Crow. I embarrassed myself myself in front of Cheryl Crow. So uh, I was on a plane. I got upgraded to first class, which is awesome, which is where all my bad stories come from. And uh, I'm in seat 1F, which is the window, first row, window seat. Cheryl is in 2F, so she's right behind me. And we were flying from Nashville to – I was flying from Nashville to L.A. to San Diego. And on that flight, when you get upgraded, it was uh, was an early morning flight, so we got breakfast. So she took a nap for, like, the first part of the flight or whatever – and I'm like, now I had a crush on Cheryl Crow. So for me, I was just like, ah, it's going to happen. And, uh, you know, wishful thinking, of course. So um, so anyway, so I embarrassed myself, you know, uh, because that's just who I am. And it was about halfway through the flight. She, I had already finished my breakfast. She got her breakfast. She's eating her oatmeal, whatever she was eating. And I had to go to the bathroom. So I got up. And one F is right underneath the overhead compartments. And I got up and I brained myself hard (laughs) on the overhead compartments. And I just turned and I went, ow, while I was looking at her. (laughs) And she just like gave me this look, like eating her oatmeal, like dick. (laughs) Like, well, it's not going to happen. It's totally (laughs) not going to happen now. It's done. So anyway, but. But she did sing some cover tunes. Uh, This one I did not know was a cover tune. This was an interesting find. 
The first cut is the deepest. I did not know it was a cover tune. I knew that. Well, bleh, bully on you. But I did not know it was a cover tune. And I didn't know it was a cover of a cover. Another one. The original was done in 1967. And it was more of like a like a soul R&B type version uh, by done by somebody called P.P. Arnold. And she was, I think she was British. I think I might be wrong, Uh, but it was more like a soul type song. And then Rod Stewart did it in the mid seventies, which is kind of what the other cover came from. What, what, what Cheryl Crow's is more like his version, but I didn't know that there were two versions of it. I knew about the Rod Stewart version. You know, like I kind of remembered that sort of, Uh, but the P.P. Arnold one, I didn't even know. So, yeah, I never knew it was a cover of a cover, but that's that's one of those that, like, I totally thought initially that it was her song. And who would who would question it? No, no one. Yeah. So, yep, you can find that. There's a Rod Stewart version from 1976 and then a P.P. Arnold version from 1967. So check it out. Real quick, I just want to say uh, I saw Cheryl Crow open for Bob Dylan and Willie Nelson at Joe nice. Lewis Arena here. Nice. And uh, when Dylan came out, I had really good seats. Um, I was on the side, you know, it's in a, it's in a hockey arena, but I was like on Dylan's side in the lower bowl, second row. And uh, he comes out, he's playing. And then all of a sudden there's this woman standing right in my way. I can't <laughs> see. And I'm like, Hey, excuse me. And she just ignores me. I'm like, Hey, move. Like, <laughs> And she turns around and looks at me and gives me a shitty look. And I realize it's Cheryl Crow. And the guy behind me goes, hey, you, you're yelling at Cheryl Crow. And I go, I don't care. I'm trying to see Bob Dylan. <laughs> and she she shot me the dirtiest look, but I didn't care. She was standing, I mean, like literally in my eye, right in my eye line of Bob Dylan. Like, Well, you know what? You should have shot her. You should have shot her the, you should have shot her the one eye back. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, she knows Dylan. Why does she need to stand in my fucking way to, while I'm trying to see him? All right, my dog is making sex sounds on my freaking chair. What are you doing, you jerk? Well, he goes, because you brought up Cheryl Crow. I guess, but I'm not the one doing. <laughs> I'm not the one doing it. All right, cool. Your turn. All right, so I'm gonna do the same thing—a cover of a cover. Um. Jeff Henderson says she's like five two. No, she's, she's actually not. not. She's t- much taller than she's that. Much I think taller she was wearing that. heels too. Yeah. So, um, so you had this on your list, and I wanted to take it just for this reason, because just so I could get under your skin and mention that Janis Joplin doing "Me and Bobby McGee" is because she used to love when the Grateful Dead did it. Her version is the Grateful Dead arrangement of that song. That's terrible. Yep. That's terrible. That's but terrible. It, again, it's a defining song for her. She's doing the Grateful Dead version, which they never recorded. They just played it live. But it was actually done by Roger Miller, and it was written by Chris Christopherson. That was the thing that blew me away. I didn't realize that Chris Christopherson was a co-writer on that song. That's why the Dead did it, because they were friends with Chris Christopherson, too. Why was he friends with them? Because everyone likes them but you. All right, I have to highlight this. Everyone is 5'2 to ball bag. He's eight feet fucking tall. Yes, that is true. We do call him the seven-foot idiot. 
and not for no reason. Um, by the way, if anybody is going to Las Vegas sometime uh, around the end of August, uh, his Jeff's son, I have to give him credit, Jeff's son, Lane, hi, Lane, if you're watching, which you're not because you're probably playing baseball. Lane got promoted to AAA, and he's a pitcher for the Sugarland Space Cowboys. Space Cowboys, much like Steve Miller's Joker, which is your favorite band, Steve Miller band. But anyway, they're pitching in Las Vegas. Oh, well, he'll be pitching in Las Vegas uh, like August 24th to the 29th. So just go to Las Vegas and go see the Las Vegas local team and watch Sugarland beat them and watch Lane strike out everyone. So that's congrats, Jeff. Yes. Now that's that's a big deal. I mean, Triple A, and and you know what? Honestly, he's killing it in Triple A. So he's like getting this close to making it to the show, which is amazing. There so, you go. and I have a signed baseball from when he was in Double A. Wait a minute before we go any further. You put that comment on the screen. Yeah, no, you now, this, is, this is John. Kidding. This is John just getting up our dander right here because John likes things like Iron Maiden and Triumph. He thinks that anything from the Blaze Bailey era is like godly. So you know, whatever. It's it's okay. It's okay. We could talk slower. Um, <laughs> Let me just go on record again to say I fucking hate Steve Miller. I know. You do. And you hate virtual XI. Yes. Well, who doesn't? I don't really. Uh, John Byrne is the only person that I know that's ever said anything good about virtual 11 or <laughs> X1, whatever the fuck you're supposed to call it. Virtual shit. You could say, you, uh, all right, Kiss? that's fine. He could say he's better than Kiss. I will say this to every day. I like Kiss. I don't love Kiss. Um, you know, it's embarrassing for you to say that you don't love Kiss because we wrote songs like Dr. Love, which I sang myself, and I wrote it about my penis. I call it Dr. Love. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, see, he, he thinks Virtual XI is a great album. So we just just take that for what it is and just ignore the rest. It's much better that way. We're all safer. We're all safer. Your turn. You go. Okay. I'm going to go with. No, I didn't. I just go. Didn't we just talk about me and Bob? Oh, yeah. Janice Joplin. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with an easy one. Um, this one. This one, most people who heard the song at the time learned. Um, Natalie Imbruglia in the early, uh, I believe it was the early 2000s, put out her biggest hit, Torn. But it's not her song. It's not her song. It's her it's only original, hit, isn't it? Uh, I think she had one other like, like, like lower level hit. But uh, the original song was done by Edna Swap, written and recorded by Edna Swap. And they were an L.A. band. They're actually managed by the company I used to work for uh, by uh, way back in the day. And uh, that version, I feel, actually is better by far. It's sang better. It's just a better arrangement overall. Um, the, the singer has a more raspy voice. Um, it's just a better version of the song. However, things being what they are, promotions being what they are, you have this little wafy Australian cute girl, uh, and you could market her. And that's what happens. So... Unfortunately, it didn't really hit it out of the park with the Edna Swap version. I really think they deserved a bit more cred. So, um, and it's Natalie Imbruglia. Just to let you know, <laughs> Natalie Imbruglia. I M B R U G L I A. I was like um, seven when that came out, and I remember I could never say her last name. Imbruglia. I was like Imbruglia. Whatever. 
You go. Okay, hang on. I'm bouncing all over my list, so why? I just go top to bottom, dude. Because I had some good ones at the top, and I, I like, mm-hmm. I like to, I like to take people on a roller coaster. Right? Oh, okay. Is that what it is? Yep. There's six people watching us. What kind of roller coaster would that be? Those six people enjoy what we do because they're here all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like regulars at the bar. They still don't tip. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here's one I didn't know was a cover, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I did some more research on it because you and I both were like, I didn't know that was a cover. What a Fool Believes by the Doobie Brothers is technically a Kenny Loggins cover. And the reason it's a Kenny Loggins cover is because he wrote the song with Michael McDonald and his version came out like almost a year before the Doobie Brothers version did. But nobody knew that. Nobody knew that. Nobody knew that. Most people know it as a Doobie Brothers song, but it is technically a Kenny Loggins release. Well, there you go. So there I got one go. of the, I got something like that later on. It's like my bonus pick. Um this one was, I, I knew this, a lot of people knew this, if you like heavy metal. If you don't, then you would never know in a million years. Come on, Feel the Noise by Quiet Riot. That is not their song. It is probably this the one hit they're really known for, and it's not their tune. It was done by Slade. Jesus Christ, stop it! It was done by Slade originally. And that version was nowhere near as good as the Quiet Riot version. They stuck faithful to it. Um, yeah. But the, the Quiet Riot version is definitely over the top better by far. It's like updating it, like I was saying about yeah. you really got me. Because the yeah. Slade version is great, but yeah, it the is. Quiet Riot But the Quiet Riot version one. is just so much better. Just so much better. But it's the song that most people associate with Quiet Riot. And it's associated as their biggest hit. And it's just not their song which is what makes it so much crazier so and then they pulled a man for man did the same thing and on the next record tried to go back to the slade catalog and pulled out mama we're all crazy now to see if they could replicate it and they did a decent version of that too it wasn't as big a hit no um for a while i thought the wild and the young was another slade song but it's it's not that's their own they actually did okay with that one except having wink martindale in the video is a bit weird yeah that was odd that was odd your turn Okay, can't talk about covers without talking about All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix, which, of course, is a Bob Dylan song. Is it? It is a Bob Dylan song, but that it became the definitive version. I've told the story before. After Dylan heard it, he sent Hendrix a letter and told him, that's how I wanted that song to sound. You know, I'd, I'd never heard somebody replicate one of my songs because, obviously, Dylan was having people cover songs from the beginning of his career, even when he was a nobody, Peter, Paul, and Mary doing Blowing in the Wind and all of that. And uh, that was the first time he had a cover that he loved. And Dylan, since that day, has done the Hendrix arrangement of All on the Watchtower. Because it was by far the better arrangement. Yes. There's no doubt. No yep. doubt. Uh, but, yeah, it's associated more with Jimi Hendrix than anybody else. Yep. 100%. Um, this one you're going to like. I picked a Steve Miller song. Oh, God. Well, I already know what it is. It's Jet Airliner. It is. I like the way you said it, just like they sing it, because you know the song. You like the way they sing it. I fucking, that's, I got to say, other than the Joker, Jet Airliner is one of the main reasons why I fucking hate Steve Miller. Whoa, big old Jet Airliner. No, no, you're not singing it? No. Why is it, if, if it's here that he's got to stay, why is he getting on an airplane? 
because the, he doesn't want the plane to carry him too far away. But he wants him. To, but he wants to leave and go somewhere. But it's here that he's got to stay. So what Listen, the fuck? He is didn't. That? Here's the thing. He didn't write the song. That was written well, by somebody called Paul Pena. Paul Pena originally recorded the song like five years before Steve Miller did it. And Steve Miller's keyboardist was the producer on that album. But Paul Pena supposedly had like some sort of argument with like the owner of the record label and they refused to put out the album. So Steve Miller's version came out first, but Paul Pena's version came out. You know when it came out? In 2000. They in probably, 2000. They probably refused to release it because they knew it was a piece of shit. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, either way, I think that's kind of spiteful that it, like they waited like 28 to 26 years to release it. Like, wow. So have okay. you heard that version? Yeah, I have. Okay. And so it's, it's, it's far more mellow. It, let it's me ask not... you this. Who is responsible for that god awful fucking horrendous guitar lick? I think it's in the original, but done differently for Steve Miller. I'm oh so sorry. God, I know. I don't mean to beat on you. Listen, I'm going to start stealing your things if you don't shut up. You go. Sorry. Nothing against you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Woodstock. Yes. Uh, originally written by Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell wrote the song in a New York City hotel room while watching the TV reports of Woodstock. She should have been there at, at the Woodstock because she was at the time she was she wasn't scheduled to perform, but she was dating Graham Nash and she was going to go with him. But the management said no, because she was supposed to be on Dick Cavett on Monday to, after the conclusion of the festival. And it was too important to her career. The manager told her so she wouldn't. So the manager would not let Joni Mitchell go. So she wrote the song as she watched all the TV reports and the news coverage of the festival. And when they got back, she played it for Stephen Stills and Graham Nash. And pretty much on the spot, Stephen Stills wrote the arrangement that we all know that song as. Which, which is, is better pretty, than hers. For sure it is. And it's yeah. and it's an iconic CSNY song and represents a whole era and time and place and everything but it's her song it's a Joni Mitchell song hippies hippies this next one was weird um I didn't know that this was a cover I guarantee most people didn't know this song was a cover uh but it was a huge hit in the early 80s and that's Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes who would have thought that that was a cover tune I didn't know this. I didn't know it either. And it was like mind blowing, especially when you hear the original done by Jackie DeShannon from 1975. Her version is like an upbeat R&B, like bouncy kind of thing, almost like in the style of like, uh, what is it? Like the way you do the things you do. Yeah. Temptation. The way you do. Yeah. Like, it, like that upbeat kind of thing. You know, it's like she wants to take you home. It's like and with like horns and stuff. It's like weird how they came up with this like evil brooding, almost new wavish thing out of it. Somebody had a vision, but that blew me away. I did not know that that was a cover tune. And to hear the original, it's again one of those. It's just how did you get from here to there? I, no idea. No idea. Those are and the best it, ones. Yeah, 
I mean, I do like, I, I prefer the Kim Carnes version. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, I can't say I would love either song, nor would they be like on regular playlists for me, you know. Uh, but I will say she did a really good job. Whoever a producer was put it together really well. But Jackie DeShannon has the better voice. Well, there you go. So there's that. Your turn. Can you put up Gall McCartney's comment? Which one? The the there you go. Yeah, the jet airliner's jet airliner is just gonna take off and land in the same airport. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um and and Mark Garney is right. Uh, Roger is totally upstaging me, but he always does. This is nothing does. new. That's why he's the co host. Exactly. He's he doesn't know it. You know, but he'll get fed after we're done. Uh, here's one I I didn't know was a cover. Nazareth Love Hurts was originally an Everly Brothers song. I didn't know that either. Yep, and it's wow. been covered by a bunch of people. Smokey yeah, yeah, Robinson yeah. did a version of it. Um, there was a couple other artists, but yeah, I th- th- that again to the general public is probably the most well known Nazareth song, other than Hair of the Dog. But on the same record. So obviously ballady tune, Everly Brothers that bring in the harmonies as they always do. It's mm. their version's much more haunting than the Nazareth version. Haunting. I mean haunting. The Nazareth haunting. Nazareth version is almost like the first uh power ballad. It kind of is, yeah. You know, it's got it's got drums in it. The, and it made a lot of money in commercials. Yep. Yep, that's true. But hey, yeah, Everly I, Brothers did it first. I didn't know that. That's awesome. How many more you got? I got two. I think I have two as well. Great. This no, one. I had three, but whatever. Uh, well, I'll do my bonus as a third because it's not really a cover, but it is. Um, but this one was definitively a cover. cover and it's the, the second best song on. Well, actually, it's the uh, overall. Most of the Kiss solo albums kind of sucked, except one. And two. That was Ace Frehley. Two great ones. Man. The Paul one's great too, dude. Fuck it's you. Good. It's, it's, it's not the great. Paul one's awesome. The no. Ace one is the best one. The Let's Ace is the best one, but Paul's By is behind. far. No. So um, <clears throat> that song, "Rip It Out," was the the big single, but the one that actually uh, that was his own. The one that actually made the biggest splash was "New York Groove," and which was typical for Ace Frehley to sing a song about New York because it's where he's from and what have you. Um, but New York Groove was written by Russ Ballard from Argent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the singer of Argent, you know, so hold your head up. Whoa! That's him. Uh, and Whoa, uh, What's that? They say, hold your head up. Woman, hold your head up. Well, didn't I just say that? No, you said, Whoa. There's some poem. Anyway, whatever. Uh, hold your head up. Period. Uh, he wrote it, and the band that originally did it about three years before Ace was a band called Hello. Hello, Forty Second Street. Hello. But they didn't say it like that because they were British. It was more like Hello. So they're British. A British band called Hello did that song originally in 1975, and it went nowhere. But Ace got it, did it, and it became a hit for him off that solo album. So, And he still plays it live to this day. I bet you Eddie Kramer had something to do with Hello. It's possible. I mean, who knows how things get to other people? It's got to be through a producer or something. So. Yep. Your turn. Okay. I am going to go with 
Let's see. Uh, the defining song of the animals is House of the Rising Sun. But what they're doing is, again, it's a Bob Dylan arrangement. He didn't write the song, another traditional song. There was a guy that Dylan gigged with in Greenwich Village named Dave Van Ronk, and he claimed that Dylan stole his arrangement and <laughs> recorded it on, on the debut record, which is what Shaking the animals, my fist. Right, exactly. <laughs> which is what the animals version is based on. Yeah. But um that's the you know, everybody and their brother has done a version of House of the Rising. Oh song. yeah. And but the animals suck. one the the animals one yes. is the is the one. No 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 doubt about it. Now this last one one of my friends is watching on Facebook, obviously, which they should be watching on YouTube. Hello, Jeff Odin. Um, and it's funny because he mentioned this, but this is the last one I actually had to talk about. And it's Got My Mind Set on You by George Harrison. Did not know that was a cover. Now, that song's annoying as it is. I like it, but it's annoying as it is. But it was originally done by James Ray back in 1962. Now... Here's a funnier part of it. It was written by this guy called Rudy Clark. Rudy Clark wrote that song, but he also wrote Good Lovin' by the Young sure, Rascals. Young Rascals, yeah. So, I mean, the guy had, and there was another song in there, I forget uh, that he had written, which was another big hit. Dude knew, knew how to write a song to where, like, 25 years even after the fact, it became popular. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, got, got My Mind Set on You by George Harrison. Interesting. Interesting. It is. Because he wrote a couple, you know, great songs. You'd think he didn't need to do any covers, but, you know. Probably got it for like a thousand bucks. And like, oh, cool. <laughs> we can make some millions. Good. Good. Right. Are we, do I, am I doing one more? You do one. I'll do one. You do one. Okay. So let, this one, which I, I, I got schooled on this one by Donald Fagan of Steely Dan, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Janis Joplin, Peace of My Heart, is actually a song by Irma Franklin. Irma, of course. Aretha's sister, Irma Franklin. Yes. Who also had an amazing voice. Not as good as Aretha's, but a a fantastic voice. And again, like I said, Donald Fagan schooled me on this. I saw the Dukes of September, which is his side project with Michael McDonald and Boz Skaggs, where they do these old Motown and soul review songs. And uh, he said, most people know this song, Peace of My Heart, is a Janis Joplin song, but we're not going to do that version. No way. We're going to do the original version, which is not a bluesy powerhouse vocal. It's much more of a Motown feel and uh, great vocal still, but not like what Janis did with it or what it's known as. But yes, Irma Franklin is Aretha Franklin's sister. It's hard to not think of that song being done by Janis Joplin. Exactly. The only other version I've heard that could possibly touch it, and it gives me chills, chills, was when Melissa Etheridge did it live. Uh, she got on stage with, it was her and Joss Stone, actually. Um, but Joss Stone came, it was like a tribute to, to Janis Joplin, like a portion of, I forget what, what award show it was. It was something. Um, and Melissa Etheridge was just getting through cancer and it was the first time she was performing live and her head was completely bald, no hair. And she came out and Kenny Aronoff is on drums. So, you know, like you got a great backing band doing it and what have you. And she came out and she nailed it. And 
it's, it still gives me chills to think about it, but when the scream happens, and she even said in interviews later, she's like, I was really tired. I didn't know if I could do it. And she said, I just put everything I had into it. And once I got through that, I know I could finish the song. And it was just like yeah. releasing like all that stuff. Like just like I went through all these cancer treatments. I went, I just, I, I overcame all this. Yeah. And it was like such an emotional, just if, if you go on YouTube, I, I ask everybody to go on YouTube and watch that version that, and Josh Stone does cry baby. And then, uh, and then Melissa Etheridge comes out and does peace of my heart and just levels the crowd. Like just, you, you can't watch that and not get goosebumps. It's that good. Wow. It's that emotionally jarring. So, cause you know, that's not, it's not an easy song to sing. No, it, at all. No, not at all. And, and, and again, like that scream is hard. You know, if you're well, yes. imagine just getting through like chemo. <laughs> you know? I can't imagine it. So yeah, she she killed it, and then she recorded a version of it, and it wasn't as good as the live one. Nowhere near as good as the live, the live one. You have to watch it. And you just you just like tingle. It's, well, it's raw emotion. Yeah, you can't yeah. replicate it. Um, my bonus is a weird one. It's a weird one. Uh, it's superstition. This CB is a Wonder. tricky one. It was almost on my list, but yeah. I thought, yeah. Because it's know. not a cover, but it's a cover, but it's not a cover. Yep. So it was originally, it was written by Stevie Wonder. Yep. And it was originally recorded by Jeff Beck. Beck the reason Bogart why Jeff, a piece. Yes. So Beck Bogart a piece recorded it. And it was given to Jeff Beck because he contributed to, um, uh, which album uh, did he play guitar on? Talking um, Book, I think. Talking Book, yes. Uh, by Stevie Wonder. So he's like, oh, here, yeah, you can use this song. And then Stevie Wonder recorded it as well after the fact. But even though Beck Bogart and a piece recorded it first, there were delays in the release of the album. So it actually came out after the Stevie Wonder album yep. with it on it. So it's one of those tricky things. That's why it was a bonus pick for me. It wasn't like. It's not really a cover, but it is sort of. It's one of those funky things, and it's a great story. So, and both uh, both versions are fucking amazing. masterpieces. Yeah. But both of course, versions. the Stevie the Stevie Wonder version is still like no doubt, no doubt. But what what Beck Bogart a piece yeah. did with that is uh, is great. And and yeah. if you especially if you think in the context that there was no Stevie Wonder version for them to to lift that's yeah. what they did from stevie going well this is like this is the feel of it this is the demo yeah. or whatever and then another great thing is that's stevie wonder playing drums on superstition which it doesn't get much funkier or more pocket or more feel than that track and it's stevie playing drums how could he see it Take the wheel for a while, motherfucker. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so my last one, my bonus pick, which you, I got it off your list. I can't believe I missed this until I saw it on your list. And that is... I can't believe you stole it from me, too. Now you're admitting you stole it from me. Yes. List. Jersey Girl. Yep. Bruce Springsteen, which is yep. a Tom Waits song. Yep. Um, And most people, of course, associate jersey girl with bruce springsteen because he's mr new jersey 
but he did not write that song. Tom Waits wrote that song. And uh, both versions are absolutely stellar. But for me, of course, and for every Bruce Springsteen <laughs> fan, the one that's on the live 85 box set yeah. is just fucking brilliant. And uh, yeah, it's it, just a great song. And uh, I'm so glad you reminded me of that because uh, this, to me, this just epitomized this topic that we were talking about. A song that is linked to an artist that that people just assume it's their song. Who yeah. wouldn't think that Bruce didn't write Jersey Girl? Yeah, but he didn't. Exactly. Tom Waits did. Yep. Now that's that was a good call by me. It was. <laughs> and, I, and for a minute, I almost didn't jack jack the uh, pick from you because I wanted <clears> to hear you pick a Bruce Springsteen song, but I just couldn't let you do it. Well, I did though. You did. Yeah, I did. You I did. picked Blinded by the Light. So either way, I had one. Um, Mark, uh, Mark is asking, is there going to be a Spotify playlist from tonight's show? And there is. So what I need to do though, is I need to put together the playlist. It'll probably be out tomorrow. I'm going to put a link in the description here and it'll also be on the cover to covered page. That's going to happen. Um, but, uh, I I won't have time to do it tonight because I leave tomorrow on a jet airline and it's going to take me too far away. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, so yes, there will be a playlist and, and the playlist will have the original and the cover. And if there's two covers, it'll have both. So, but, uh, yeah. So the, yes, Mark, there absolutely will be a playlist from tonight's show for you guys to check out. All right. So that's it. That's a wrap up of that. We have two more segments. We're going to do our discovered segment, even though we've been talking about covers all night, but both segments discovered and this song sucks are both going to be about covers now discovered always is but this song sucks is a cover that just sucks it just sucks but we're going to start with discovered which is a cover that we like more than the original yep. uh and i'm going to go first because you finished up the last one so okay. i mentioned at the, right at the beginning of the show that i've been listening to the stone free tribute to Jimi hendrix double lp uh, which is actually only three sides one side is empty you and still again, paid for it though, right? What's that? You still paid for that. Yeah, fourth you still side paid for the fourth you. side. I got, I paid for three sides. I got four, but one has nothing. Wait, how does this work? I don't even know. Anyway, there's a version on here. I mean, there's there's some there's some good you know good covers on here. Again, I mentioned before the Jeff Beck and Seal version of Manic Depression is great. Uh, the Eric Clapton version of Stone Free is great. Uh, Spin Doctors actually do a decent version of Spanish Castle Magic. Uh, Body Count does an interesting version of Hey Joe. It's body count, but uh, I don't mind body count. I'm more lifting my eyebrow at the spin doctors. They did a decent. I didn't say it was great. They did a decent cover. Hendrix is still better, but they did a decent cover of it. Well, I'm Um, I'm glad Hendrix stood above the spin doctors. You know what? I'll tell you what the Hendrix version did not stand on top of. There's a version of uh, Hey Baby, Land of the New Rising Sun. That's done by a band that doesn't actually exist. Um, it's called M-A-C-C, which stands for McCready, Ament, Cornell, and Cameron. And you may know at least three of them from Pearl Jam and two of them from Soundgarden. And yes, there's only four members of the band. And yes, Matt Cameron was in both. So uh, there's that. But yeah, it's Chris Cornell on vocals, Mike McCready on guitar, Jeff Ament on bass, and, and Matt Cameron on drums. And 
I love this version of that song. And that's what made me interested in this in the first place. I had heard the manic depression thing before, but then one day I just happened to be driving around in my car and the local radio station was playing that version. And I heard Cornell and I'm like, Oh my God, he's killing it. It's different for Cornell. It's very low pitch for him until the very end. Then he gets very Cornelly, uh, which makes it even better because he just starts shouting like you expect him to. But that song, it was, you could tell it was like recorded in one take live. I don't know about the vocals, but you could tell the music because you hear like the amps rattling the snares on the snare drum. Yeah, yeah. Like it's that whole, you hear it. So you know it was done like live in the studio, everything just mic'd up, one take, go. And McCready like really gets the Hendrix tone. He's got the, he's got the, um, all the knickknacks that Jimi Hendrix would use, whether it be the uh, the Octavia and, and you know all of his reverb units and everything, all like all of those things in the signal chain, uh, you know, big flangey tone as well. And that song kicks ass. And all respect to Hendrix, but they killed it. They killed it. They did such a great job with it. And the only place you could find it is on that album. I mean, I've you can find it on that. Apple Tunes, but you can only find it on that album. It's nowhere else. I want to check that out. I've never heard that. You have to. It's great. It's absolutely fantastic. You know what I wish they would have included on that comp, which they obviously couldn't because of the Jeff Beck and Seal Manic Depression, but the King's X cover of Manic Depression. Which they is... should have done the Carnivore version of Manic Depression. <laughs> they could have just done the negative version of Hey Peter. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. Yeah, that would have been great. Hey, Peter! <laughs> Where you going with that axe in your hand? <laughs> Come on. Oh, God. All right, your turn. So I went with a cover of a cover. Van Halen, You're No Good. Nice. Which I... Covered Linda Ronstadt, which covered... Betty Everett. I don't know her. I never yeah. met her. Or it might be Everett. I don't know. I don't know Either how to way. say it. Because I thought it was a Linda Ronstadt song. So... I and obviously again, that's what Van Halen is copying is the Linda Ronstadt yeah, the Ronstadt version. But yeah, I had no idea it was a cover of a cover, but it is, and I love that it opens Van Halen too, yeah. um, which is my I think my favorite Van Halen record. I love that album. I go back and forth between that and Fair Warning. Fair but, Warning um, is still number one for me. That's, it's so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I when Van Halen was like so great at doing covers especially in the David Lee Roth era yeah. that you could pick any of them. Like you said, ice cream man earlier, we talked about, you really got me. Um, unfortunately, uh, where have all the good times gone? I was not a fan of, but dancing in the streets was a little, yeah, that one, odd. no good either, but, but it, they still did their Van Halen thing to it, but I picked your no good. Um, just because of the menacing opening yeah. of Van Halen too. <laughs> <laughs> it's it sounds like gene summons from kiss would have written it that way <laughs> all right so that's our two there now it's time for this song sucks and then wrap up this show because i hopefully have dinner coming my way so yeah my dog is talking to me roger shut up i love you he's looking at me like <laughs> all right so this song sucks we went with a covers version um, cause there's some bad covers out there. Yep. Bad, bad covers. And I, I have, I have a winner and a runner up, but I'm going to let you go first on this one. Are you sure? I'm positive. Okay. 
I had a hard time picking this because you could I could have went Johnny Be Good, Judas Priest, which is awful. That's um, Guns N' Roses doing Knocking on Heaven's Door. It's awful. Um, Metallica turned the page. All awful. But when I really thought about it, one stuck out completely as the worst cover ever, and that it's You're So Vain by Faster Pussycat. <laughs> just terrible. Just absolutely god-awful. I don't know what it is with Faster Pussycat, but all of their songs always sound like they're like unfinished. Like they're demos that got released. And their version of You're So Vain is another one of those things where there's like the guitars are just playing randomly. There's not good guitar tone. And that guy's voice is just horrendous. Like I can't Yeah. Like, oh God. It's just so bad. bad. I mean and and I love that song. I mean, I think I think Well the Carly Simon version, of course, is amazing. Yeah, it's a great, great song. And that version I don't know who told them to do that. Oh, and, and my uh, my other runner-up that I didn't mention, it just popped into my head. I didn't make a note of it. Sorry, but the cult's version of Born to be Wild is fucking terrible, too. I don't see why you hate it that much. It's it's very bad, but it's nowhere near as bad as You're So Vain by Faster right. Pussycat. I, I have one that's bad. I have two that are bad. One of them, um, funny enough... Jeff Henderson said, Cats in the Cradle covered by Kick Tracy is a spectacular cover. This is why I say that Jeff's taste is squarely in his mouth. Because that version is fucking terrible. (laughs) It's bad. It's way worse than the Ugly Kid Joe version. Which is by far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that's not, that was my runner up. My headliner. I forget when this was. I think this was the late 90s, early 2000s, like 99, 2000, something like that. Um, it benefited. This song was a benefit. Uh, we are the world's world styly for the September 11th uh, fund. Oh, obviously, this was after 2001. Uh, <laughs> but it's What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. However, it was done by the following artists. You ready for this? Hang on to your hats. See if I can get through all of them. Christina Aguilera, Backstreet Boys, Mary J. Blige, Bono, Destiny's Child, Jermaine Dupri, Fred Durst, Eve, Perry Farrell, Nelly Furtado, Nona Gay, Darren Hayes, Ja Rule, Jagged Edge, Alicia Keys, Aaron Lewis, Lil Kim, Jennifer Lopez, Chris Martin, Pat Monahan from Train, Monica, Naz, Nelly, and Sink, P. Diddy, T-Boz and Chili, Britney Spears, Gwen Stefani, Michael Stipe, Usher, and Scott Weiland. Before you say anything, I want to know why, no matter any time some shit like that is going on, why is Perry Farrell always there? I love He Perry brings people Farrell. together. He I'm brings like, people I, together. Wh- he's always got a hand in some shit. The only person you're missing from that is Bob Geldof. <laughs> he probably wanted nothing to do with it. 
Probably going, no, I did this once already. <laughs> yeah, right. It didn't work. That that worked out just fine for a little I also bit, want to but... say why every time you were reading those artists, Roger was sitting behind you and he kept turning his head like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, like, no. Huh? Huh? <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, look. Gall McCartney uh, is like, yeah, Nelly, what's up? Uh, and Jeff thinks I'm so wrong about the uh, whole Kick Tracy cover thing. But Jeff's wrong. So my show it's your show it's not jeff's show he was just a guest he's wrong that's it uh yeah that was uh you have to hear it like it starts off okay it starts off okay and then it just shits itself about halfway through and you're like why did i and then like fred durst rapping on it like come on stop I'm sorry. Why was he on there? I mean, that I, that list of people sounds like it's made up. It's that ridiculous. And there's more, actually. That's just the like the A-listers. Like Greg Allman's son, Elijah Blue, is on it too. Like just <laughs> randomly. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's just so silly. So silly. So anyway, yeah, that version sucks. I'm so sorry. It's just how did how did they even get all those people on it? I I don't know, and I don't care. It's just bad. It's just bad. Um, yeah, it's just bad. All right, I think that includes uh, that includes concludes this episode. Uh, I have to go because I got to pack, um, and Roger has to go out and eat, and I have to eat, and hopefully my girlfriend's coming over with some food. <laughs> that would be nice. Please hurry, Jones. I need food. Um, we will not be on next week because I am on the road, and there's no way that I can make that happen. Uh, and and then, I'm going to see the cult. And, well, I may be seeing them on Friday. So There we go. Sweet. I, I, I asked Mr. Tempesta if he can do me a favor because I'm going to be in Philly, and they're playing in Philly. But we'll see. So, anyway. Is he still their drummer? Yep. Oh, wow, he still cool. is. He's like, dude, I don't know if I could do it because I have everybody from Tama coming. I'm like, oh, that's right. They're in Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> like that list will be like 50 people long just for him. Yep. So, but if not, some other time. Anyway, thank you. Oh, thank you all for watching and enjoy. Uh, and uh, there will be a playlist and I have to get it together and I need all the originals from Nick as well. So. Uh, once I get all that, I'll put together the playlist. We'll pop it up and you'll see it. And then you can listen to your heart's content. But in the meantime, please hit below, hit like, hit subscribe. We need more people subscribing. We have a total of 33 subscribers, which means we've grown four in the past month. That's not good. So are we that bad? Are I don't we that bad. Know. Here's the problem. I like, I don't even have a YouTube account. You don't so need I'm one. not even subscribing to our own show. Oh, you suck. Just sign up then. Did you know? Did you know that YouTube is the second largest search engine besides Google? I, I do know that because people bring it up all the time, especially because, you. Yeah, because it's important. Why well, do you think I'll make I push people here? That. Yeah, make it count. All right. Good night, everyone. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Wait, I got to hit this button. Yeah. See you soon. End.